You're listening to an Irreverent Podcast. Visit Irreverent FM for more content from our friends. Hello, everybody, and welcome. My name is Janice Legata, and this is God Has Not Given, an evangelical podcast featuring me and my failing faith in conversations with my friends and family. And this is season two. And considering that yesterday was the inauguration and today is my birthday, yeah, it just feels right. New seasons all around. And I am excited, hopeful, cautiously optimistic, too dumb to know better. I don't know. But I'm here, and you're here. And I'm very grateful for both those things. So without further ado, season two, here we go. When I first saw you, I said, oh my, I said, oh my, Wes Curtis. And Wes, I know from Hillsong, I want to say we met in 2011. Yeah, that, that's what I had in my head too. Um, because I know in 2012, like we were working on stuff together, like you pretty much directed my scandal spoof. So I was like, we didn't meet then. So I definitely knew him before then. Right. Right. Um, so yeah. So I guess in 2011. Yeah. How did we meet like through Hillsong? Was it just yeah, like general? I, 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 Cause I've heard some of your episodes and I've been thinking like, wait, how did Janice and I meet? And I, I don't have like a, like a moment. Yeah. I don't either. I assume that there was there was some sort of bond created over creativity, but I don't remember when that conversation happened or how it happened or if there was an introduction made or if it was like a, I mean, I don't know if there were like creative team nights happening at that point. And I feel like that must, that must be, that must be how we came into each other's sphere. Cause I always knew you as a creative. Yeah. It could have been a slow burn too, because I know you and I were sort of like always around. So it could have been one of those. Yeah evolutions where it's like you know we see each other and then haze and then you know like yeah so (laughs) but I don't have a defining like introduction story in mind which is kind of sad I wish I wish I could see how that happened (laughs) but no you're just one of those people just like I don't know I've just known Wes forever yeah so we'll we'll get into yeah I guess how you ended up at Hillsong and all that but first, we will determine how we're having this conversation. Right. How, how many Christians are or are not present here? Right. Yeah. So, Wes, give me give me three things that make someone a Christian. You know, Janice, I've I've been kind of laboring over this question, and I there's a lot of resistance that I have to the question itself um, <laughs> because I think that this question sort of hits on a lot of um, my issues with Christianity, (laughs) (laughs) which, uh, which, you know, when I think about the question, what makes someone a Christian, it sort of is like draw a line in the sand so that we can decide who's in and who's out. And I, I hate that. I hate that so much. Um, I think that there is, so much pain and suffering and um, wounding right now because of, because of that, um, that process and that need to delineate who's other. 
Who, who can I trust? Who's other? Who's like me? Who's other? Who's in? Who's out? And so if I were to give sort of like a, uh, a cuter answer, I would say whoever says that they are one, you know, because if somebody comes up to me and says they're a Christian, I'll just say, okay, cool. You know, you're, you're whatever flavor of Christian you adhere to. And so the person behind you may be a, not be a Christian to you, but if that person behind you tells me that they're a Christian, I'll say, okay, great. So I think my, my, my short answer is what makes someone a Christian, the, the, the adherence to that, to that name. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to push back on you a little bit. Thank you. So Donald Trump says he's a Christian. I think Donald believes he's a Christian. And I think there are, you know, unfortunately, millions of people in this country who believe Donald Trump is a Christian. So do I believe he's a Christian? Well, again, I who am I to delineate what Donald Trump's relationship with God is? Donald Trump's, you know, I, I can tell you that I think that he doesn't adhere to the values that I grew up, um, you know, holding as Christian values. But part of my story that I'm sure we'll get into is sort of a, uh, a a fracturing of what I believe Christianity is to what I've seen it um, become in the past four years. Yeah. So I actually love that. I mean, it is very much about drawing lines and saying who's in and who's out because we do do that. And I just wanted to to challenge that and to see how, how people would draw those lines. So... So then we got to go back to just the the original way the question is usually asked. So I'll just ask you, Wes, are you a Christian? That question brings up so much for me, Janice. Like, I wish that you could experience what my body's experiencing because that question just holds so much weight and so much history and and so much process for me. Um, um in the con- like with you and me talking, mm-hmm. the answer might be one thing. Yeah. With with people listening, it might be a different thing. With someone on the street, a woman asked me on the street. Actually, <laughs> this is what I'll say. A woman asked me on the street recently. Um, we have a community garden next door, and there was a woman walking by, and we just struck up a conversation. I think I was offering her some vegetables that were growing, and she was like, "Are you a Christian?" And I said, uh, "Kinda." For her, like for her purposes, you know what I mean? Like, because, because we're getting to a place now where that word could mean a thousand different things. And it does. It does. Yeah. And so so I won't even, I won't make you answer it. We will just talk about your story. And I think, yeah, it will not even become clear. It'll just become what it is. I love Um, that. I think for, for me this week, am I a Christian? I feel like we're probably very much on the same page mm-hmm. in this. Like my answer honestly is I don't care. Yeah. Um if you think I am, I am. If you think I'm not, I'm not. It doesn't really matter to me one way or the other. I I'm I'm curious how you feel saying that cuz there's I feel this sense of 
um, liberation as you were talking. I felt I felt this sense of like expansion. Mm-hmm. As you said, I don't care. How does it feel for you when you talk about it? It feels at this point like it feels very. It feels freeing um, to not have to. I don't even know if freeing is the word. Like it feels, it feels self. Mm. Like it just feels like, mm. like me. <laughs> and yeah, it is. It is freedom. Like it is liberating to just be able to say that really doesn't. It doesn't matter to me because at the end of the day, I don't even know what that means anymore. Mm. So I don't. I don't know, um, and it doesn't affect my day to day life anymore. Like, I don't make decisions based on whether or not it's the Christian thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm making decisions based on, is this ethical? Like, does, mm-hmm. this, feel, does this feel right? Does this feel good to me? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and sometimes that will happen to line up with right. Christian morality. Sometimes it won't. But, like, at the end of the day, it hasn't changed who I am. Um, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. It's so beautiful. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's yeah. so beautiful and it, it's so, it feels so integrated. Like, and I just like seeing your body too, like you feel so grounded and um, I think that says a lot. It's a, it's been a journey as you would know. I've loved listening to your podcast. I, <sighs> I love these conversations. I think that these conversations are, um, have been pent up and have been waiting. And I, you know, I don't know if you have sort of a, a read on your listeners. Um, but I would, I would guess that there are people that are experiencing a lot of, um, of that freedom that we were talking about a lot of that, uh, you know, healing maybe at listening to the conversations because maybe they're not able to have them mm-hmm. with, with the people that are close to them. Because as you said, there is a lot of, um, you know, I see it as fear, you know, this, yeah. I need to change you at the end of the day for me. And I've thought about it a lot at the end of the day, I think it boils down to fear. I think fear, fear is at the heart of so much of it. I mean, that's why I named it what I did. I'm like, you know, God has not given us a spirit of fear. But for me, Christianity was a faith made out of fears. Like it wasn't about Mm -hmm. so much what you want to see in the world. It's like what you don't want to see and what you don't want Mm -hmm. to happen and where you don't want to go. And I'm doing things and not doing things because I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to be in trouble. I don't want, you know, God to be mad. Um, And that's just no way to live and that was the way I lived for so long and just kind of realizing oh like I'm doing all the things and not doing all the things that I'm supposed to but I'm not healthy like I'm not well and how how devastating it is that you couldn't be in those spaces and be not well and 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 how devastating that the you know the boundaries weren't wide enough to accommodate 
your needs and my needs and we had to abandon it yeah. in order to seek um, relief and to seek uh, growth and to seek health. You know, that's that. I I hate that. I really do. Yeah. So Wes, <laughs> what's, your, what's your story? Because I mean, because you can never. <laughs> I don't know, like I think about my life and I'm like, wow, the people, you just never know what people are going to mean to you or, you know, where you're going to end up or what road you're going to be on. Um, So I'm sure if you had asked either of us 10 years ago, like, what would your faith journey look like in 10 years? Mm. I would not have seen myself here. Yeah. I would not have seen you here. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I feel like both of us were... I mean, obviously both, we met on the creative side, so we were yeah. both artists, Yeah. but I feel like we were also both kind of like the rule following mm-hmm. yeah. artists, like very much, all right, I've got this wild side, obviously, or this creative, you know, bent, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I'm very much by the book. Mm-hmm. I'm very mm-hmm. much, you know, yeah, a rule follower and trying to, trying mm-hmm. to keep these things reined in. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, Wes, what, how did how did this begin? How did and how did you end up here? Oh man, I I share your um, I I share your uh, your sort of like pleasure at like seeing sort of like in retrospect what ten years looks like for both of us and like yeah, we were in similar places and we've kind of ended up in a similar space and it's very interesting to see that because I think we're. Um, it feels like we're unique, but I think that we're, that's actually more common than we think. Um, yeah. So I grew up, I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a Methodist pastor and, um, fortunately I'm so thankful that my home wasn't too fundamentalist. It it was, my parents were very open. Um, we were in the South, we were in North Carolina. And Mm -hmm. so there was a culture, my dad was preaching at small rural churches. So the culture was very racist, very close-minded, very exclusionary, very country club. My dad preached a sermon that he notoriously called the, the country club sermon at these churches. And he ended up getting very, um, very badly wounded by, <clears throat> excuse me, he ended up getting very badly wounded by uh, the institution of the Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I witnessed, you know, this sort of, these career Christians. My mom actually still works for a church. So I sort of grew up with career Christians as that was my, that was my livelihood. That's what put food on our table. And, um, but then I also saw this, this, dichotomy between sort of we're following the Bible, we're living for God, and and yet I would see these people which betrayed, as you put, ethics, and I would see mm. explicit racism, and I would see just meanness and bitterness and resentment and, 
you know, and, and, and I, as a kid, I, I didn't know how to wade through that, but I did have a, a certain degree of sort of skepticism and, and my dad was not a fake man. So he would be real with us about the struggles that he was having with people. And, and we kind of learned, oh, these people are very genuine and like, it feels like they're truly loving. And then there's these other people that are very like surface superficial, like we're doing it for the club. Mm -hmm. So I did kind of grow up with this sense of like, people are different, even though we're in the same building singing the same hymns. There's, there is like a, so, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that, that my parents allowed for that kind of like, um, reality to emerge for, for me. And, and then, uh, I went to college and, um, I was like, I don't really want to do the Christian thing anymore. And, um, wasn't going to church. Um, but I still loved God and I still, that was still a foundational part of who I was so that when I moved to New York in 2009, I moved mm -hmm. to New York City straight from college. I was like, I want to get back in, involved with the church. And I, um, I found a couple of churches that I was at for a short time and I was like, yeah, this is where I belong. This is who I am. You know, it's, it's a part of my childhood. It's a part of my family understanding. Like it's, it's yeah. always been a part of my social structure. And so I, I, I really wanted to keep that intact. And like you said, I was, I don't know if I'd call myself a rule follower. I, you know what I would say, Janice, is that I was really successful at being a Christian. Mm especially at Hillsong. You know, I, I came to Hillsong in 2011, which I think we met not long after that. And, um, I loved it. It was so sexy and it, it just, it, 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 it hit different. You know what I mean? Like it, just, <laughs> it just like, it was, it wasn't the sort of dusty pews that I was used to. It was this vibrant, you know, and as a creative, like I loved the production value and it, it spoke to me and the, the communal worshiping, you know, it activated something in me. And I was like, I want to be a part of this. And thankfully I had all of these Christian skills already. You know, I knew how to socialize. I knew about the Bible. I knew about, you know, the, the sort of the values that Christians hold and all of that translated because Hillsong was kind of the same thing, just with a different outfit on, you know, right. I mean? so like I was able to, you know, click right in with it. Um, I just had to change my wardrobe and I did. I ended up, I ended up shopping at Zara and, and, and that, that helped me be even more successful. So um, yeah, I was really successful. You know, I, I became a connect group leader mm -hmm. and I let, I was doing uh, crew pack down for crew. And then I ended up being a leader for crew and, you know, I recognized, oh, if you work hard, if you sort of give of your time, you know, which is this big hot topic right now, the media is really harping on that. If you, if you sacrifice your time and you, you know, go the extra mile, there's a lot of recognition that comes with that. Come, yeah. There's a lot of recognition from the leaders, these other people that hold these Hillsong values, like they look at you with a gleam in their eye and, <laughs> and, um, and, you know, you, you've talked a lot about race on the podcast. I was a straight white guy, so I fit the mold. Like, I mean, there was nothing holding me back. You know, I, I fit what worked there. Right. And so, yeah, I led connect groups. I started the acting team. I led the acting team. I started singing. Um, so I was like a, back, uh, what was it, background vocal? Is that what we called it? BGV? 
Yes, and then it changed to frontline vocalist. Oh, frontline, yeah, frontline, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I did frontline, and and again, it just it felt so good. You know, it felt so good to 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 be gratified in my quote unquote servanthood. You know, yeah. and um, yeah, so I stayed there for I think seven years. So 2011, I started. And then, yeah, I started to, you haven't used this word yet, but I started deconstructing. Um, I, I want to say in like, well, wait, when was Trump? Trump came in office 2016. That was, I, I think that, I think that I had already started sort of like, oh, wait, uh, the Genesis and the Bible and like, <laughs> wait a minute, hold, hold on. Uh, wait, evolution though. So, so wait, so hell is... <laughs> And so then when Trump, when the Trump, you know, the rise of, of Trumpism occurred, it just, it fucked up everything that I knew that I thought I knew about Christianity, about evangelical Christianity, which I was, you know, deeply, deeply a part of. And so that just was like, okay, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I need to do some heavy digging here because right now I'm aligned with something that I'm seeing the bulk of the population, you know, uh, act in ways that I am adamantly against. Right. That, that at my core, I'm against. So I, I, I did a lot of deconstructing, I would say, because, um, yeah, 2016, November 2016, he was elected. So I think 2017 um, was a really difficult year for me. Um, and 20. 18 was when I started the process of, of, of separation. Um, I did have a, I forgot. I did have a bout of like, am I an atheist around 2014, which was pretty, that's when it actually started. So 2014 is when I started questioning things. And I had this, like, am I like, do I even believe there's a God? And I had these beautifully divine experiences that sort of held my faith. Mm Mm-hmm in light of the questions that I had. And I realized I can hold this tension. I can hold the tension of God is real. I'm connected to God and I don't have all the answers. So that I started to realize that I could hold that, that that was possible in 2014. And so I kind of had this, like, I don't know what I believe anymore to like, no, I'm in, I'm in this. But then 2016 was like, Oh wait, I'm not in this at all actually. And so, but Hillsong was this kind of like straddle the party line place where it was like, okay, wait, but there are progressives here and we do care about racial equity and yet, and we care about the Bible. Right, right. Ostensibly, right. So on the surface, but again, I was, I was not experiencing what you were experiencing. So for me, the talk was enough for me. It, it, you know, it gratified the guilt or whatever, you know, the, these things in me that were like, well, something's not okay. But then we, they would say what they would say. And we, right. I say, we would say I, I was a part of it. Right. And then I'd be like, Oh, we're doing enough. And then, um, yeah, I think 2017, I don't know if there was like an event, but 2017 came and, um, I started to question a lot more. I told people, cause as I was leaving in 2018, I would tell people why I was leaving. Cause they would ask like, what's going on, what's going on. And I'd say, you know, it's like, it's like, I've been, I've been with my partner, if Hillsong's my partner, I've been with my partner for seven years now. And there are things about my partner that I sort of 
like swept under the rug or, or, or didn't want to address because I loved my partner so much that it wasn't, it wasn't worth it for me to leave my partner. And so 2017, 2018, I was like, these things, you know, people, people, it's like when you're with someone and your friends are like, I don't know, they kind of like, don't respect you or like, ah, they, like, it seems like they, it seems like they are a little abusive and you're like, yeah, but they're really stressed. Like, you don't know, like (laughs) they've been through a lot. So you justify it and you justify it and you justify it. And then seven years in, I was like, no, these things are really problematic. And not only are they problematic, but they're not being acknowledged in a way that will bring any sort of substantial change or growth. Right. Yeah. I had a meeting with, with, um, with Kane, uh, you know, he was like, what's going on? Cause I had decided I was going to leave. I think I went to a color conference and I told God, I said, God, color conference had always been a very, uh, impactful ex- revelatory experience for me. Mm-hmm. So I went to co- color conference in 2018 and I told God, I said, if you want me to continue to be a part of this organization, you're going to have to speak to me. You're going to have to have some kind of encounter with me so that I know I need to stay. And color conference was, um, one of the saddest experiences that color conference, one of the saddest experiences for me, because I realized these are not my people. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. And they were, they used to be. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that any one person had done something that I could sort of scapegoat it and be like, you know, Janice just, you know, she ruined it. It was like <laughs> the whole, it was this whole thing. And it was this realization that like, okay. And, and, you know, and God is not going to come in and change my mind. And so, yeah, I made the decision. I told my team leads and Kane was like, let's have a, let's have a talk. And we had become kind of close at that point. So we, we were having real talks by that, by that time. And so, yeah, he was like, what's going on? And I said, well, it's, it's, it's a double-sided coin at this point. I said, there's an existential side where I, I, I don't believe, you know, foundational aspects of, of what Hillsong believes anymore, of what evangelicals believe. Yeah. And then the other side of that coin is that this institution does not align with what I align with. And at one point, maybe I did align with it, but, you know, I specifically talked about Carl. I, I said, you know, I've been a part of this organization for seven years and I've, I've, I've seen Carl I'm not best friends with him. I didn't, you know, I didn't have a close relationship with him, but I've seen sort of his tics and his, you know, shortcomings and his immaturities seven years ago. And those are still very alive and well seven years later. And, and I have to look, if I'm looking at an institution, I have to look at the leader because it all trickles as you and I know, everyone emulates Carl and he, you know, he rides in and he gives commands and he rides out and he is, making the decisions. And I, you know, I, I understand that there are a lot of people that are still a part of Hillsong that are, you know, that are like, but we're going to change it from the inside out because how else do you change it? And I, I do empathize with that. And I have a lot of respect for that, for that. But I told Kane, Carl, Carl is still very immature in ways that I think are stunting and I don't see growth. If I saw growth, I'm, you know, and he was like, yeah, he's like, you know, you're probably going to, 
he's like, I hate, I hate this. I hate this. Cause what's going to happen is you're going to leave. And then in a couple of years, we're going to like get all these things better. And then you're going to be like, man, I'm, I, I hate that I left. And, and I just, I didn't believe him. I, I said, you know, I wish, but I, I don't see that happening. And so, yeah, so I left and, um, I, I went through, I think the worst depression of my life after, after that decision, um, 2018 was, was a really difficult year, um, because I didn't realize at the time how much I was saying no to, I didn't realize how much I was, what the cost of that decision would be. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't realize how integral that community had become in my life. Um, so that was my, yeah, that's kind of the, the Christian side of things. And then what are we, we're 2020 now. So I've done a lot of, um, a lot of, mending. I don't, I wouldn't say that I'm healed from that. I think that I still carry a lot of wounds and, you know, even this conversation has brought about some, uh, some anxiety and, and, um, and sadness, you know, but, um, (laughs) that is what I'm all about. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. But, um, but as we were talking at the beginning of the podcast, there has been this continual presence of freedom and liberation and grounding and, uh, and what I believe is God um, still carrying me and still um, standing me up, you know, and 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 it really fucks with my my sense of of religion and spirituality because mm-hmm. what I was taught is that outside of the church, outside of reading the Bible, outside of praying, I wouldn't be able to experience God or a sense of purpose or you know that divine. Um, existence and yet it's happening. So at this point I have, I have 20 times more questions than I have answers. And that is exactly how I want it to be right now. Yeah. Yeah. So when you left Hillsong, did you leave like intending to find another church? Did you find another church or did you know? I thought when I left, I thought I have to, I have to sort out what my identity is because up until that point, my identity had been Christian Mm -hmm. and yet I was looking around at Christians going, this is not me. So I guess, you know, I think Janice, I was looking for a different version of Christian Mm -hmm. that I felt that I aligned with, but I wasn't finding it. So, (laughs) so yeah, I went to, um, I, my wife, uh, I met my wife and then she, uh, she was going to a Unitarian church at the time. And I went into a Unitarian church and broke down sobbing as the choir sang. I felt God in such a beautiful way. And it was so reassuring because it was like this, this, this signal that like, I'm, I'm good. I don't need to be attached to, mm-hmm an evangelical institution to experience God and to experience, um, the truth of, you know, my, my time here. Um, so I think at first I was looking for, you know, a different flavor. Yeah. Yeah. And then I realized, wait, but there are a lot of, of systemic issues with just sort of like gathering under the Bible and so I realized I don't, I think my efforts might be best spent, like you were saying, working on myself. So what are my values? 
what do I what right. do I take away from what I've learned from my time in church? And I'm not going to throw it all away. That was formative for me, and it was valuable, and it it shaped me. And so, what do I want to hold on to? Because I believe it is good and of God, and 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 you know what the world needs. And then, what do I need to let go of? And as a as a straight white man, that that was a lot. Is a, is still a lot. There's a lot that I have to let go of, and it might take the rest of my life for me to do that. Yeah. All right, so you have that that kind of existential, religious kind of awakening and changing. But then at the same time, because when I met you, Wes Curtis, you were an actor. Yeah, yeah, right. Despian. <laughs> and that was the path, that was the plan. Yeah. And now we're, we're on a, a slightly different track. Yeah. So yeah. what... What happened? What happened there? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, as you know, being a creative is like, it's like a, you know, it's like a sadomasochistic journey. It's like, don't I love myself? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think I just, you know, I was, I was kind of in this identity exploration. I was, I was having really hard questions with myself. And one of those questions was, Wes, do you really want to be an actor? Because I do. And yet I wasn't working as hard as I could have been. Like there were a lot of things that I saw in myself. You could be doing this more. You could be, you know, throwing yourself into this. Like, um, so I had to really, I had to sit myself down and have a real talk. Like, is this really what you want? Because your actions, you're kind of doing the bare minimum and you're paying a lot of money to do the bare minimum. So I kind of asked, what are, what are the things that I really need out of a career and a life? And I kind of boiled it down to three, like, key things that I, that I saw that I got from acting. And I realized, oh, well, those things can be found in other places, places that pay more, um, more sustainably. So I, um, yeah, I, I decided that I wanted to do um, social work because I want to be a psychotherapist. So um, therapy had become an integral part in my journey, and mm-hmm. I felt that there were a lot of ways that um, understanding psychology, understanding mental health, understanding what you know psychodevelopment is for us was lacking for most of my life. So there was a lot of spiritual bypassing in my past, you know, where it's like yeah. we're going to do X, Y, and Z you know, um, spiritual tactic to treat things that, you know, are diagnosable or, you know, things that we, we have literal science talking about what this is. And so I, I really started looking into that. And I also found that that was a practical way for me to utilize the values that I, that I have, the values of caring for other people, the values of generosity, the values of listening, of empathizing, of, of help you know, restoration is a huge value of mine. So when I, when I look ahead at my career of, of psychotherapy and social work, I look at a rest, a career that, that involves restoration and, and healing. And I want to be a part of that. Um, so I, um, I still audition and I, my dream, my big dream is to be like, is to kind of follow in like a Mr. Rogers footsteps and, and mm-hmm. find a way to weave, um, mental health and, you know, psychoanalysis, find a way to weave those things into content because I love creating content. You know, I, we, we did projects together and, um, I learned how to edit during the pandemic 
um, on Adobe. So like, I, I love creating content and I love communicating. I love this. I love talking to you. I love, so my dream is to, you know, be able to integrate all of my layers, which include acting, performing and, and content creation, producing, directing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but right now, yeah, I'm in grad school right now. I'm in grad school getting my master's in social work and I am obsessed. It is, it has been incredible. It's been so incredible and it, and it's, it's a burgeoning field. Like, like, uh, yeah, like developmental psychology is a burgeoning field, like neuropsychology, these things that we're still learning about them. And I'm so excited to, you know, put my hand to that in a way that I feel like our nation is really starting to accept therapy as, as a valuable and needed asset. And I've seen that in churches too, you know? And so I will, I will probably have a focus on adverse religious experiences and I'll probably just because I'm, because of my own story, I'm very interested in what happened to me when I lost Hmm. my faith, quote unquote. And when I left the church, I mean, because these are very real fears and very real journeys that people are taking and they have no support. Maybe a little, maybe, you know, maybe they have their friend Janice that they can listen to your podcast or, you know what I mean? Or like maybe they're seeing a therapist who, you know, knows a little bit about trauma and depression, but there's a lot of this happening and there's a lot of people that are scared and they're caught in the middle and they're like, I, I'm not a Trumpism person. And like, I don't align with these values, but I, I, but I've always known the Bible to be inerrant and like, what do I do? So there's a lot of like growing pains right now. It's like, we're sort of we're, we're like in the box and we're like growing out of the box, but it's like, we don't want to break the box, but we have to grow. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of pain and frustration right now that I'm very, very interested in exploring from a clinician's lens. Uh, Yeah. 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 I mean, I've been thinking about all this stuff a lot, obviously. (laughs) I mean, every generation has its own experience and it's, it's, you know, it's different in its own way. Um, but like our generation, this generation, I feel like we, I don't know, we just got hit with the stick really hard yeah. as far as just evangelicalism. So you had purity culture and at the same time kind of growing up in the colorblind era, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we were very much the generation that didn't really talk about race initially because no. it was all, it was all fine. It was all yeah. good. Yeah. Like, like I, we were some of the first like fully kind of integrated racially, you know, we didn't until 2020, you know, we didn't have to march. We didn't have to, you know, do these things. Like it was all just kind of there. Everything right. was supposed to be fixed. I felt like we were, we were the generation where everything was supposed to be fine. Yeah. Like we were, <laughs> everything had been fixed. Everything had been figured out. Like it's all good. Yeah. And like we dug into that and now from around like 2014 till now, like it's just been like this great awakening. But with that, there are so many people coming out of it now who are going to need people like specializing in religious trauma because it's a real thing and it's still so new, but there are so many people affected by it. And you know, sometimes it's just, it's overwhelming to think about. Cause I'm like, how do we, how do we fix this? Can we fix it? Can it be fixed? Or is, or is this, is a lot of this generation just kind of relegated to being broken? Well, here's the thing, Janice. 
it feels like broken from inside the camp, right? Because you and I were conditioned Christian equals whole. Mm, yeah. Outsider equals broken. And the truth is everyone's broken. And they would say that to a certain extent, you know, inside a church. We're all broken in need of a savior. And I believe that we are all broken and we all have needs. Is the savior the panacea? No. And I think that's what I clung to Mm -hmm. in my brokenness in church. The panacea is Jesus. Yeah. And I would never in a million years want to strip away the value and beauty and wonder of who Jesus is for people. And I don't want to do that for myself. But my questions led me to a realization that there's a lot of repression. There's a lot of denial. There's a lot of um, splitting. There are a lot of ways that people that claim to be in areas where there's wholeness that's attainable. There's a lot of... um, justification you know a lot of because because at the end of the day janice like it's it's cognitive dissonance it's this like how do i and social media has made it you know just front and center we we see this cognitive diff i mean i don't know about you but every time i get on facebook i'm seeing people rectify their their cognitive dissonance so how do i as a you know conservative you know hard-working american rectify the fact that I don't trust the government. Well, I'm not going to wear a mask. Oh, but now I'm being accused that I'm responsible for 300,000 deaths. Hmm. I can't handle that. My psycho, my, you know, my psychosomatic system can't handle the fact that I'm a murderer. So I have to, I have to reconcile that cognitive dissonance with, well, there's a conspiracy out there or, you know, well, God is in control. And so it's not me. So I see all of those things and I, I'm not shaming that. I'm not belittling it. It is what it is. We have to face that this is what it is. The sooner that we can do those real talks with ourselves, what am I afraid of? What is this doing for me? What is going to church every day, singing and weeping? What is Mm -hmm. that doing for me? Yeah. Because it's doing something. I have a real need that's being met. What does the Bible do for me? What does praying do for me? What is my relationship as I know it with God? What is that doing for me? And is it enough? Because I think that there are a lot of people that there's just extra extra support that's needed. There, there are needs that, that, uh, that need to be met. And um, I think that church meets needs. I think that God meets needs. I think that a relationship with Jesus, however that's defined, mm-hmm. I believe we are spiritual people. I believe that, you know, that that's a part of our human experience. But I realized that what I was doing is I was neglecting a lot of the other parts of the human experience because I was saying that church was was a, was a one-stop shop. Yeah. I think that I, I haven't even really thought of it ever in the sense of like, oh, what, what need was this meeting? Um, and maybe because I just grew up in it and so it was so routine. Like I never 
you know, not until I left and like made the conscious decision, like, oh, I actually, <laughs> I actually don't need this. Like, I don't, I don't need to do this anymore. And I don't want to. Um, yeah, but I had never thought of it in terms of like, what am I getting from this? Because I don't think I expected to get anything from it other than kind of like checking, checking the right boxes. Like the thing I'm getting from this is that I'm supposed to be here. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm like yeah. fulfilling my duty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, 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 it's satisfying my sense of identity. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm a good person. I was raised to believe that being a good person means check, 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 check. Right. And I still, as an adult, believe that being a good person means check, 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 check. And so when I go to church, I can check off all these things, right? Right. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. That's just the way it is. We, we are humans with morals and we have values. Like, you know, it, it, it makes us wonderful creatures. But I think where we get stunted and, and hung up is that we're not facing those things. And maybe some people shouldn't face them. You know, I, again, I have more questions than answers. I'm not... I haven't figured out this is what everyone should do, right? So, like, I every time I say something like, oh, people should, like, become more self-aware and know what their needs are being met, I'm like, but there's probably a lot of people that should not go there, and they should just keep checking their boxes because at the end of the day, that's keeping them from, I don't know, debilitating depression or, go, yeah. or relapsing back into a drug addiction. I mean, church church has some very real power to it. As you and I know, we, we have friends that came from, you know, from, from roads that were leading to death. Right. And then they come to church and now they're, they're headed towards life. Right. And so I'm not going to come in and unplug you from the matrix and be like, look how shitty the world actually is. You know what I mean? Like I'm not trying to go around proselytizing people because it was fucking hard for me to leave. It was so hard. I don't want, you know, and I've had, I've had discussions with friends about this and, you know, people are kind of in different camps as you can imagine. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, as for me, which is who I can speak for, I want to do kind of what you're doing. I want to create a space that's safe for people who feel like they don't have a space. Yeah. Who don't belong. Maybe they used to belong and they don't anymore because that is really, really hard to do alone. It definitely is. Um, and like, you know, I say like, I wish, I wish it for everyone, but wouldn't wish it on anyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, we grew up fearing the slippery slope. Like, exactly. You, know, you, <laughs> you start looking at that, you open that door, like it, it it's a slippery slope. And it's like, well, yeah, it is. It is. And, it, and it's it true. Absolutely. Is. And so like, then you get to this place where I'm like, oh, like I can't. Yeah, like I don't want to be evangelical about the right. change. So I, I can't, you know, I don't want to start. Everybody should do this. Everyone. Yeah. yeah. It's, now I'm at the point where I'm like, oh my goodness, there is nothing. There's nothing that is for everyone. Like there's, that's, that's like the beauty of it and like the scariest thing yeah. in all of this. Like we are all so different, so individual. There is no one size fits all. And I think, that's what we want. Like, I want to find the answer. I want to find the thing that's going to fix everyone that's going to work for everyone. And it's just like realizing, Oh, that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And 
yeah, all we can really do is like become as whole and as integrated as I can. And hopefully that bounces off of someone else in a way that helps them to become whatever that is for them. Um, but yeah, cause I, you know, on my, there are some days when I'm like, burn all the churches down, mm-hmm. all of them, like yeah. just yeah. get rid of it. Yeah. And then having to be like, Oh no, it actually works for some people. Yeah. And maybe it won't always, but like, I needed those seven years in Hillsong for, Same. you know, whatever sure. reason. I, I, I agree with everything that you said. Yeah. Yeah, there's a maturity to admitting, okay, there's not there's not like this grand answer that will absolve me of all my pain and all my questions and all my all my past hurts and all my future fears, you know. And some people think yes there is, you know, it's it's faith in Jesus. And okay, you know, like uh, I would ask what, what is that? What if you didn't have that? Like what, what would you, what would you have to face? And, you know, I'm learning in school, like there are, there are certain ego defenses that if brought down prematurely are dangerous. There are, there are certain defenses that if we face it and we actually know I do this thing because I'm scared of what of X Y Z. We can't handle it. We're not. We're not. You know. We're not superheroes, right? We we are we are fallible things. So it goes back to what you were saying. You know, you're like, I don't want to have people on here where we're trying to change each other because I don't know why that adamant evangelical is so adamant. Right. I don't know because it's not about Black Lives. It's not about masks. Right. It's not about Joe Biden. And they and I don't and maybe they don't know what it's about, right. but I sure don't. But my I wish I wish we could talk about it, and that's that's why I'm drawn to this field because that's because I will be talking about it. You know? Yeah, yeah. But I I I admire your your bravery because I think it takes a lot of bravery to say I'm scared, I don't know, and we'll see. You know, and I. I am so inspired by that and I'm inspired by this podcast. I'm inspired by your relationships because it sounds like you have a very diverse spectrum of friends that are, you know, at different places in their faith and in their journeys. And I think, I think that is the only way forward for our nation is, is embodying what you're doing. I'm trying. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, and you know, uh, it's kind of sometimes it feels like I'm I'm cheating a little bit because I'm always like I know what I can handle. I know I know what parts of my journey are open and what I'm open about. And then I know the things that I'm still not dealing with. And you know, and I'm still not. So, you know, I'll I'll take people this far and you know, for the people who are still 10 steps back, that's great. But yeah, there are areas where I'm like, oh, I haven't even, I know I'm not dealing with that yet. You know, I'm at a place now where I'm like, okay, I've made a, I've made peace with a lot of my past. Just acknowledging, okay, I can't, I don't want to say those years were wasted and they weren't because I got so many great things from them. But, you know, it is scary 
to have to kind of have your whole conception of God change and kind of taken away. And I'm like, I don't believe in the God that I believed in when I grew up. I do believe there is a God. I don't believe in a personal God at this point. Like, I just don't. For me, the math doesn't work. I'm like, God can't be all-loving, all-knowing, all-powerful, and be involved here because it would be unfair. Like, you just can't. So, and I'm okay with that. Um, But it also, it's scary in the sense that I'm like, oh, like, I also don't have that kind of like that little fallback where like, oh, I'm safe because Mm -hmm. I have a purpose and like, Mm -hmm. God's going to keep me safe until I do whatever. And I'm like, oh no, life is really random and anything could happen at any time. Um, And so now kind of having to deal with, I don't know, I don't know what my future looks like. Mm -hmm. And grieving a lot of the time lost, you know, (laughs) like what kind of relationships could I have had where could I have been if I wasn't giving all my time to this organization and I wasn't pinning all my morality on not doing certain things? I mean, just like just realizing the ways that I have been stunted and being like, I don't know if I'll ever, I don't know if I'll ever fix that. I don't know. I don't know if I have the time left. Um, yeah, so I'm like, that's that's kind of like the, the hard part of the journey that I'm at now. Like talking about <laughs> what I think of the Bible or even what I think of God, like that's like the easy stuff now. And because I am an artist and I think people just kind of expect you to be kind of left, left of center anyway, I think I've always just gotten away with a lot more because they've just, oh, that's just Janice being Janice, but... She'll come back around. But yeah, realizing, no, I'm never, I'm never coming back. And I don't know what's ahead. And yeah, just carry, carrying a lot of grief and trying to deal with that well. And some days it's fine. Uh, 2020, I feel like kind of robbed us all because it's like I, we basically lost a year. Um, and time, time is the only you know, non-renewable resource. Like we don't, don't get more of that. And so how, what do I do? What do I do with all that? Yeah. Like that's, that's the hard part. I think, I mean, I think those are the important questions. And I, again, I think you have to be brave to say that out loud because, you know, you said, I didn't really know what I needed when I was at Hillsong. Like you needed security you needed existential security. I needed existential security because these questions are fucking massive. Yeah. And kids can't, kids can't cognitively um, handle those kinds of realities, you know? So we need security. I mean, this is, this is develop, human development, right? We need to know what's good, what's bad, right. what's right, what's wrong. We need to have delineation. Otherwise, how do we learn? And then... We get into this, Richard Rohr was one of my sort of like, one of the reasons I never threw out Christianity altogether was because of Richard Rohr, but he talked about sort of the third, the third way. I don't know if he called it the third way or sort of the third stage of like life or something where you, you put down the black and white and you pick up the gray and you realize it's both and. So I am both thankful for what I took away from Hillsong. And I'm thankful for seven years of 
formative identity shaping that Hillsong gave me. And I am resentful and I'm mad. Yeah. And I'm devastated and I'm grieving and I'm hurt and I want to scream and I want to, you know, punch someone because of what I lost. Those things are both real and they're both held together. And that's really challenging because we want to just relegate to one or the other. Oh, God is good all the time. He has a plan. He'll make a way. And, or, or we want to do that or fuck it all. Like burn it down. Like they're all crooks, you know, like everybody was out to get. And it's like, I think that there is a, I think that third way is how we can maintain ourselves and how we can progress and how we can move forward and how we can build and grow and, and find whatever the next thing is. You keep saying, I don't know it's in the future. I don't either, but there is a future. So like whatever the next thing is, I think it's through the tension of both and. So that's that. And that's a wrap on episode 2.1. I'm so, so thankful for Wes kicking off this new season. When we recorded this episode, I hadn't decided yet when or if this new season would begin, but somehow everything about our conversation was right on time for then and now. And you guys literally don't know the half of it. Literally. There's almost another hour of us talking and it's all good, but I haven't decided yet when to drop it on y'all. And that's okay. I'm learning to be okay with time and letting all things take the time they need, including me. 2020 was a study in anxiety and relief. I can't remember ever having been so acutely aware of feeling those things in my body. And in 2021, I'm all about relief, doing whatever I can moment to moment to release the tension of anxiety on my terms, my timeline, asking myself and being honest with myself about what I need. And this conversation with Wes was very needful. So thank you, Wes. And thank you for listening in. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, I hope you'll take a moment to jump on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And hey, while you're on Apple, jump on over to Apple Music and check out my new EP. It's called World Without You. And yeah, I felt like making some music, so I did. And it felt good. And that's what I wish for all of us in 2021. So do me a favor and do something you want to do this week. Just to feel good. Alright? Alright. Be well. And I will talk to you soon. I am an evil.